Welcome to Big Data Small Talk, where we take the vast and complex world of data and break it down to bit-sized accessible conversations. Each episode is featured by leaders in the fields of data science, AI, or data engineering, as we explore the latest trends, challenges, and opportunities around data. Grab a cup of coffee and let's get started. It's such a pleasure to have this lineup of Docker experts here with me today for the 12th episode of Big Data Small Talk. And today we're talking about the least you must know about Docker, emphasis on the must. And that's because it's quite difficult for you, in my opinion at least, to be in web development or programming in general and not even know, I guess, the theory around Docker and why like people use it, what does it help you with really, and how to get started. So, okay, listen up guys. I want the show today to give the audience the most value they could get out of a one hour talk about Docker. So before we dive in real quick, I'd like to give a shout out to Shikudo, who actually makes it super easy for you to get started with building your products on top of pre-built Docker images and just making the entire setup for your application easier. So a cool application that uh, we're having right now, I think, is for developers to use Langchain or Hugging Face or LLM models on the fly. And I guess this is just one of our many features, ones that I'm working on very much right now that I think is super interesting. So you can check it out more on Shakuto.io. And okay, heading over to our incredible panel of speakers here. And I'd like to give you guys some space to introduce yourselves and maybe a little bit a little bit of a backstory of how you got started with Docker. Right, I guess we can skip Francesco, right? Because he needs no introduction. <laughs> Francesco, would you like to, <laughs> I'm just kidding. Would you like to say hello to everybody and, and give yourself a little speech on how you started with Docker? Yes, so first of all, thank you so much for inviting me in this uh, space uh, and I'll be very short, as short as possible. So I started learning Docker in 2000. 16, 2016, I think. So way before even joining the European Space Agency, even before before every everything else. So and I was really excited about uh, this technology. So I learned this everything in private, which took me like a lot of time. But but yes, so I'm one. Of, it's also I think that one of the reasons, let's say, of what I do also like uh, the DevRel role. Uh, uh, we can talk about this, but like I think that many things that happened in my life uh, in the recent seven years, uh, it's because of Docker. It's not a joke. So I think I can say that Docker changed my life. So it's I'm kind of mm, let's say excited about this topic. Let's go. Oh, that's so nice. And everyone here, Francesco is a Docker captain, so he's serious about this stuff. He's the guy to go to. Let's go to Mohammed, another Docker captain, right? Why don't you introduce yourself to everyone and, and tell you your backstory with Docker as well? Hello, hello. Yes, so my name is Muhammad Ali, and it started in 2015, I guess, when Docker was two years old. And I was I joined a new company, and I was trying to run the test. It, it was a Python program, and I couldn't install all the dependencies to run the test there. And And one of the... Colleague said, okay, maybe you can use Docker and it would be easier because we are running Docker on the CI. And then I said, okay, what, what Docker is? And then I learned Docker in the next 
two weeks actually and then after two weeks i i had some docker knowledge and then in a month i was already installing ci cd pipelines all over the place because then i i found docker is so cool and i i started yeah basically uh, being an ambassador for docker since then yeah that's amazing and, and i do find that people who start with with docker get like obsessed for with it for like a month and <laughs> because it's such a cool technology to learn Okay, heading over to Shelly, which is she is a Docker community leader, also an amazing person on top of actually providing resources and helping the Docker community out. Hey, Shelly, thank you so much for being here. Thank you so much for that beautiful introduction. That was really sweet. Yeah, so I am a author and speaker. I have 20 plus courses on Plural site. A couple of years ago, I guess it was like 2017 or 18. I, you know what? It was it was probably later than that. I just have no concept of time anymore. Yeah. So I was struggling to learn the whole Docker workflow, right? And so I thought, if I'm struggling, other people are struggling too. So I made a course about it. <laughs> you know, that's when what you do. That's- when I need. <laughs> Yeah, totally. It was so weird. It was like when I made that course, I'll level with you. I didn't know anything about Docker. So I was like tasked with having to learn as I taught. But that was actually good because, you know, I struggled a lot. So if I struggled, other people are too. And (laughs) that's that and you know i do find that people who struggle a lot to learn something are the best teachers of that because they actually know how people who are struggling would think and they can explain it a lot better in my opinion i i say that because i'm too i'm a person who struggles a lot (laughs) so uh, yeah i I do understand that so pradumna over to you i mean this guy is just the best docker tipper on (laughs) twitter and he has the most amazing projects out there so hey pradumna how are you please introduce yourself yeah i am absolutely fine and thank you for the invite if i started getting uh, started getting cut just let me know yeah so hey i'm pradumna i'm from india so i I'm a Go developer and a DevOps person. This is how my journey started about like Docker. I was getting into like DevOps stuff and generally after Linux and networking, we generally learn about containerization and this is how I started learning Docker. And I think after learning for a while, when I started contributing to open source about the Docker Compose and Docker file, this is where like I started loving about the Docker. And I think uh, this is till date one of the highest contribution, like Docker contribution to it. like most of the dev. Even I contributed to Daily Dev, which is a, a company by which Dev Francisco worked for. So yeah, this is how my journey started. And talking about like my con- content creation, yeah, I do like to create content on Docker and mostly on the Compose side, like mostly on the complex side because we generally talk about like Docker and commands, but more on the complex of like CI, CD and other things. Yeah. Thank you for the invite again. That's amazing. Thank you, every speakers, for joining. And everyone in the audience, if you're looking for nice places for Docker tutorials, Docker resources, or courses, this is the audience you should look for. Not not audience, sorry, the panel you should look for, because these guys are putting on the amazing, most amazing resources out there on Docker. So, okay, I'm not going to spend any of your guys' time trying to explain Docker. 
here when we have such an amazing lineup of speakers. So I'll just pass it over to them. Okay, so first question is, what is Docker and what sets Docker apart from just traditional virtual machines? Francesco, why don't you take the lead? And then we, we go over to the next speaker. Go ahead. Yes, but please stop me if I go for too long because this happened to me yesterday. I was, it was planned like to make a, a short introduction of five minutes and I talked for 50 minutes. So stop me, Sabrina, mute me. Yes, so uh, Docker solves an issue. Any, an issue is to de deploy stuff with any, any programming language has uh, some, some procedures that only the experts know. So if you are a super expert about programming language, a technology, you probably don't need to use Docker because you know exactly what you need. And, and you, you, and only you, you'll be, be able to do things without that. For all the mortal people, I think that transition is, the, is really a mind-blowing technology because it really allows you to deploy things being operating system agnostic, architecture agnostic. So Docker solves the issue to deploy applications everywhere because an application is not just a code. An application is code, dependencies, and configuration. And only when you are about to deploy things, you understand that you have environment variables, things that you can't pop up, uh, publishing production, and, and this is that's it. Now, the issue of being um, operating system agnostic has been solved many years ago with the virtual machines. Virtual machines are, are basically an abstraction, is an operating system on top of another operating system. They use something called the hypervisor. And so the problem is, was already solved. They, but the things that still stays with the virtual machines is that it's really resources consuming because you have a whole operating system and maybe you don't need that. You just want to run an application. So you don't need a whole Linux machine to, to just run node, node application or any backend application. So having in, in very short terms, a container is a process. That's a spoiler. That's, that's my introduction. That's an amazing introduction. And anyone wants to add anything here to what Francesco said on what is Docker and what sets Docker apart? Go ahead, Praduna. Oh, yeah, Praduna, then Charlie. Yeah, I think Francesco already covered all the points. Just want to mention two points, like about the operating system thing. So what happened with like virtual machine is that you install a complete OS, which is a guest OS. We, we generally call guest OS. But if you talk about like more on the container side or the Docker side, generally you share like your operating system, like your operating system OS with the container. Like, but the thing is that you don't install a separate operating system inside a container. You generally have a different layer over that. In more technical terms, we generally like isolate the application layer, but in the virtual machine, we isolate the kernel and the application layer. And one more important point about the VM versus like Docker thing, the container thing, the scalability and the what to say, replica replicating thing is a hundred times easier in the Docker world. But if you talk about the raw virtual machine, it's hard to scale up and scale down when you need that. Yeah. Amazing. Shelly, you want to add anything? Yeah, actually, to me, it solves one of the 
major problems that I've seen since I started, you know, programming in the 90s. And that is automating the whole like dev process in the olden days, kids. We had to install everything locally. So you are installing SQL, you're installing, you know, just node every every single thing. If you're working on multiple projects, you have to install every freaking, you know, version. It's it's complicated. With containers, this was the magic that drew me in that, you know, made me fall in love with Docker. You pull an image and it's completely, it has everything that you need on it. You don't have to install everything locally. So it increases productivity so much. Like one time I worked on this really complicated project. There were no instructions on how to set it up. It took me two weeks to reverse engineer this thing. And the employer was like mad at me. I'm just like, there's no instructions. How am I supposed to, you know, understand all this? If they had it containerized, then I would have just pulled an image. And that's that. So. <laughs> oh, that's so true. And, and actually, Docker helps you solve so much problems, especially on deployments. And, and just I'll just let Mohammed speak. But when you when you hear in the old days, kids, you know, you're about to be hit with some knowledge right there. Go ahead, Mohammed. Yeah, the, another point on the development part of the Docker usage. So we, we have like dozens of services, dozens of different projects in our company because we have a microservice architecture and they are written in different languages and sometimes in the same language, but they, but they have different requirements. So one of them needs Python 2, the other one needs Python 3 and different types of dependencies. And in the old days, when, when I was doing Java, for example, different parts of the application needed different dependencies and it was a nightmare because it couldn't possibly run. Every time you had to change your local setup to make one of these applications that you had run. But yeah, so one of the, for, for development part, one of the most advantages of using Docker is that you don't really care about these things anymore. The, list of dependencies is there, you just want to run the test and the whole thing is running on a container that has all these dependencies already installed. And yeah, so you, you get out of this dependency nightmare basically. Yeah, absolutely. There is this translation step from going from your local machine and writing your code there and actually debugging and testing your code there. But then if you, when you switch to Docker, that's a different environment. So you need to know what that means and, and that's what I said at the beginning, right? You need to, to know the theory around it. And you need to, to have at least some knowledge of what is actually happening with your, go, with your code when it's being deployed. And how does your code speak with the outside world? And, and that's very important to, to know as a developer. And the next question here is around how Docker is, is built. How is actually, how does the magic work around Docker, right? So I think it's mostly three parts, which is the Docker engine, Docker images, and Docker containers, and how they interact with each other, right? So 
I'd, I'd love for you guys to talk a little bit about those three parts and how they together work with each other and it actually make Docker what it is. So I think we can start. I'm just going to randomly pick you guys here to start. Let's go with Shelly for this one. Awesome. I'm first. Yeah. So how does all of this work? How does the magic work? So an image is a package that kind of contains all of the information needed to create a container. So it includes all of your code, you know, your app files, and they can be simple or complex. And then containers are the runtime instance of an image overall. So together, they really, as I said, they automate everything it's it's all packaged up into one like like app runtime and it's easy to just copy them you know do whatever overall i think that that's the gist got it anyone else want to add anything here on docker engine docker images and docker containers to what shelly just said yeah, I can go. I can go. Sorry. Can I go? Go ahead. <laughs> yeah. So. So yes. So the um, let's say that it's very important to understand the difference between images and containers. And uh, let's usually I make an analogy which is not the right definition, but is more to I think it's very important in containerization to grasp a concept. So once you grasp a concept, then you can go on the docs, uh, the, but uh, it's really important to understand uh, how the hell this, this thing uh, works. So an image is a file, is a file, and we can think about it uh, as a class, if we are in an object, if you know object-oriented programming. So you could have this thing, okay? It's like a stack of pancakes because it's like it's a, it has a layered system. Now, once you have this image, what do you do with this image? You run processes, containers, basically adding one more pancake on top of these uh, layers. And that layer is basically the process, is the container. So this is the difference. And the thing is that if we consider an image a sort of class, so you can have as many containers you, you want based on the same image. And this is amazing because you can have two different applications running maybe on two different ports using the same image. And, and this is like a huge advantage. So this is, I think it's a very important thing to understand since the beginning. So usually to, if we want to be precise, we build images and we run containers on top of image. We create and then, and then start the containers, which is basically the, what the Docker run commands, the command does under the hood. Yeah, absolutely. I think a nice analogy I like for this is that if Docker is a restaurant, the Docker engine is the kitchen. The Docker images are your recipes, and then the Docker containers is actually the, the dishes, right? So think of it that in that sense. It, it actually makes a lot of sense. Go ahead, Mohammed. over to you. Yeah, and to add to that, you can actually also 
take a snapshot of a running container and dump it as an image, actually. So th there is this Docker commit command that you can dump your running. So, so everything that is currently on your running container, you save them so that the next time that you run this image, the state would be the same as the state that, that is currently in your running container. So there, there are two a two-way relationship between the image and, and the container. So you can spin up a container from an image and you can commit a, a, a container to an image, basically. Absolutely. Over to you, Praduna. Yeah, so I think we talk about like container and images, but we slightly touch on the engine. I, I want to talk about in the engine side. So basically like containers need something to run on. Like so this is where like Docker engine come into play. But the thing is that the, how the engine works is like it contains a REST API. So how it works like Docker provides a CLI and it has also has a like, but I will talk about the CLI thing. So CLI and you write commands for creating, del deleting or updating like ports updating or anything. So this is how we communicate like with the CLI and there is a Docker daemon which controls each and every processes on the Docker, Docker engine itself. And this is how you like destroy and create or pause or restart your containers. And depending on the, if you like use the orchestration, which is Docker Swarm. So you can like do scalability, like running two instances of same container, three instances of same container. Yeah, that, that's it. Yeah, this is also another question that you guys partially answered here is basically what is a Docker image and how do I run a Docker container from an image? Anything to add on this specific topic, basically how to run Docker images and what they are? Go ahead, Mohammed. I'm picking you. <laughs> yeah, so images are built usually through Docker files that are set of instructions to basically install all the dependencies that you want in your environment. And by building from this Docker file, you can have an image, which is kind of a, a copy of the environment that if you spin up, you will have all these things already there. So it, it's kind of like a, a snapshot of the running container. So if you have your application and you want these and the dependencies or you want to have these files copied inside, you write the instructions. When you build the image, then after running this image, all these things are already there in your running container, basically. Yes, absolutely. And you actually said something very interesting about Dockerfile, which we haven't already touched yet. And the next question is really around Dockerfile and what's the role of the Dockerfile in the whole, I guess, Docker end-to-end -end process and uh, explaining a little bit of the structure of the basic commands like run, copy, and, and stuff like that. So Francesco, I see that you're excited about this one. Go ahead. <laughs> yes, absolutely. So first of all, the Dockerfile is unsurprisingly a file and it's usually it's a file called the Docker file with capital D, but it's not a mandatory, but that's the default one. So the Docker file is when really is where really the magic of Docker happens. So basically a Docker file has a set of instructions, like, and it's a very, it has a very simple structure. It has a key value pairs. So it's very simple. So what can you do with a Docker file? The Docker file contains all the instructions 
to build the image based on our application. So basically it's the replacement of any procedure that you should send to your colleague to tell, okay, to run this application, do this. Just to give an example so many people can understand, when we make we put a project on GitHub, we can still use GitHub, of course, what do we do in, in the README? There is, there is like a welcome, this is my awesome site project that will ab I will abandon in two weeks, in parentheses. Do, NPM do, <laughs> do NPM install, then NPM run dev, and you will see my awesome project. So you see, when you want someone else to run your, your code, you have to give them the instructions. And now, I don't know, maybe some people here, they are familiar with NPM, but let's say that now we have a Python project. So you have to say, okay, so just do pip install, but maybe I don't know Python, I've never used it. So you see, when you are want someone who is not an expert in that field to run your project, it's not that obvious which are the commands, which what they should have on their machine, or maybe they don't want it because maybe I don't know, I want to run just a PHP code. I don't want to install the whole PHP development environment. I just want to test the, 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 the thing. So again, the Docker file, it basically defines all the instructions to build the Docker image. And you can build this using the Docker build command. And for the, for the instructions, yes, there are, there are many. I will start with the first one and then I'll let Padumna if he wants to finish. So usually the image is not, is not an image that we run, we create from scratch. We always start, as I said, images are a pile of pancakes. So you don't never start from zero. You always start from a point. So for example, you can start from the node image. You can start from the Postgres image. And probably they didn't even start from scratch. For example, the node application is based, I think, on Debian. So usually <laughs> you can create a, an image from scratch, but just for fun. But usually we start, don't, we never start from zero, which is amazing. And it, it's like this structure of the images. There are many, many commands. Yeah, I, I do agree with you. And just over to Pradumna to anything that you want to add in Francesco's thoughts here on Dockerfile. Go ahead. Yeah, I think Francesco already covered each and every point. Just want to mention one thing like about the Docker file and a raw image. So generally what happens is that like you proceed with Docker file when you want to modify some existing image. What I mean to say to that, like for example, you are creating a node app, but in general case, like not in general, in like in some cases, like you may be only running the MongoDB. So you don't need to create a like Docker file. You can just run the mongodb but for example if you have a node application this is where like docker file come into play you like just as francesco mentioned like you take the node image and copy your files into that and create image out of that and run those image so after the image is like like image serves as a like more of the blueprint like you run this thing and every time you will get same result like running with creating a container out of that so this is how like and the every so uh, whenever you build an image, so it's create. All right. Thank you, Pradumna. I think you cut off a little bit there at the end, but no worries. Over to you, but but it, it all worked out. Over to you, Shelley. Yeah, so I just 
wanted to add that the, sorry, commands are executed in order. So it is very important to have run commands, especially in the specific order of execution. And I've, I've seen a lot of people struggle. They're like, why isn't this working? The, you know, command is there because the one that ran after it just negated it completely. So that's all. Yeah, that's, that's actually a great advice. Some people might not actually be aware of, and it, it might actually cause trouble because the people like they, they don't know what's going wrong. Like, Hey, I have everything I need right here. Why isn't it working? I can see it happen it happening to me definitely. All right, so right now we're talking about Docker files and Docker images. Mohammed, anything you would like to add on those two topics? Maybe something we haven't covered yet. What do you think? Yeah, so just to add to Docker file and how is it you so basically you have a set of commands there like run as Shelly mentioned and, and from that is for specifying the base image. And they, with every one of these commands, a layer is built on top of each other. And then, for example, if you have an application that has a copy command, the copy command basically copies something from your directory into the Docker image. And so every time you build this image again, this copy command copies different stuff into this image. And because it's layered, everything that was running before that is cached uh, unless you specify not, not to cache. And then only the copy part is then built again. And, and from then on, the, the layers after that are built again so that it makes building the images also because it's layered faster and you, you have this caching capability here, actually. So that that's for one. and the uh, okay, maybe I will add the stuff in the Docker Compose. Uh, okay, absolutely. Thank you, guys. And I think this this was a great explanation and different points of views on on this Docker image and, and Docker file thing. Just to summarize everything, a Docker image includes everything that is needed to run a piece of software or some project that you you'd like to run. And a Docker file contains the, the recipe for you to know how to build that image. Now over to the next question, which is around Docker Compose. How do we use Docker Compose, what it is maybe, and what's a, a typical structure of a Docker Compose file? Mohammed, you were just talking about this, or maybe? Yes, yes. So uh, one thing about Docker containers that also sets them apart from the virtual machines is that usually you run only one application for each container. This is because you want them to be expendable, basically. So if the image, if the container malfunctions, you want to be able to kill it and spawn another one. If you put everything into one Docker container, then one part of the application that is faulty, or if you want to scale up one part of the application, then it it doesn't really work out if you put everything into one. This is somehow different in virtual machines because you have also the OS there and the virtual machines are too heavy to run multiple them, multiple of them in, in a single machine. This is why usually you put everything into one virtual machine. 
in Docker, you have different parts of your application in different containers. If you have a multi-microservices structure, you have different parts of your application in different containers. Also, because they have different dependencies and maybe they are written in different languages. But also something that usually helps with like development environments is that you have an application that uses a database, like maybe more than one type of databases. And you want to test stuff locally and Docker Compose is set of instructions to have multiple Docker images running. So usually when you run one image, you say, Docker run this and that image, and you can assign a port to it, for example. If you want to spin up your whole application, you have to spin up this part and then the database, and then assign all the ports that are appropriate. And you have to be careful so that the port that is assigned to this image, to this container, is the one that the other one is using. So Docker Compose is solving this problem and you have a single file with all these instructions that says, I want five different Docker containers. This one is running from this image. These, these are the port bindings. And I want this one to run before the other one because it depends on it and stuff like that. So everything is in a single file and you don't have to run everything by hand one by one. Right, we can see that it's already spicing it up <laughs> with Docker containers, Docker Compose, sorry. And okay, over to you for doing that. Your thoughts on, on Docker Compose. Let, let's hear it out. Praduna, can you go next? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah, about the Docker Compose. So yeah, I think Mohammed already covered the thing. Like in general, like. Compose is used to like running multiple services and the quite interesting thing is that Docker Compose used to come like separately but now it is like included in the with the version v2 so the the way I like look at the Compose like I take example of a node application which runs MongoDB as a database so basically like when you try to run everything manually with the CLI thing like first you create a node app you release the port and you connect with the DB, like DB container, and then you run the DB container and expose the board and environment variables. And if we have like four or five environment, then it becomes so much, the command becomes so much long. This is where like Docker Compose come into play, like Docker Compose generally, not generally, it is written in YAML configuration. So you mention each and everything, like you have multiple services, services in the sense like we call each container like it's not it is not complete container but like if you have a node container like you call a node service and db service so you have multiple service in like compose file and this is where like compose simplify much more thing like when you run different containers with the cli there is an interlink between the db and the actual container but compose simplify this as well like setting up the networking setting up the volumes and everything like so when you like have a good structure of your file, then you don't need to write anything. Just you need to like Docker Compose up, and when you are recreating image, do you do Docker Compose up build? So this is like where like Docker Compose things like you, it reduces lots of CLI thing. Like when you you have long command like two or three line, there are more chances of error. But with the Docker Compose, you have a well structured and everything is standardized. Yeah, that's a great ad right there. Over to you, Francesco. 
I just want to say something a bit more, more as a technical about like for people who are just getting started maybe with the Docker Compose, which has been probably one of my my great aha ha moments. So if you if you learn Docker when you reach when you reach the Docker Compose part, you will have this moment. So Docker Compose sometimes is it's better to to define that it's two things, not just one thing. So one is something called the Docker Dash Compose. YML, so which is a, a Docker Compose file. And then there is what, oh, what Padumna said, a Docker Compose CLI. So Docker Compose is two things, a file, which usually is called like that, and a set of commands to do what? To handle different containers. So this is, this is the, the idea to, to that there are two, two separate things. And also, yes, it's. I think it's a great way. I think that also, in the future, you you once you keep going, you can use the Docker Compose YML file also with other services. So I think it's a great place. Probably my favorite way to test locally an application that has not just one. A whole application which is not just one service, we can say. So the typical example is backend application connected to ADB. And as Pradumna said before, you don't need to build all your images. Maybe you want to just use an image. So if, for example, if I want to use a database, you can just define this in the Docker Compose. I do this, did this many times in many of my live streams. And yes, so this is just something more about Docker Compose. Amazing tool. Yeah, I, I just love the way you, you explained to me, Francesco, like like five. This is exactly what I need. <laughs> no, but you really break down stuff really good. And honestly, there is a really nice video of Francesco, how to test APIs with Docker containers. It is pinned on this space. Go check it out after this one. And Shelly, anything you'd like to add on, on Docker Compose, or maybe we can just move ahead to, to CICD. Go ahead, go ahead. Yeah, sure. I don't have a lot to add here. Of course, it's been explained really well. I would just say that, you know, one of the problems that occurs a lot is if you are trying to run everything manually, right, that is prone to error. You could type in, you know, one thing wrong and spend hours tr trying to you know, <laughs> troubleshoot. And so Compose really automates everything so that your more complex applications are really well created and automated. I know I keep saying that, but it's, it's really important to have everything in place right and then that really helps to remove errors overall yes absolutely i think docker compose is all about automating the process right is is like conducting the whole thing and creating your pipeline so this is what i think we should take out of this but amazing how how you guys covered i think in all levels Oh, what is Docker Compose? Next question here is actually a little bit more spicy even. It's basically, how can I integrate Docker into my CI-CD pipeline? And honestly, that's something I'm actually eager to learn myself. So 
who wants to take this one? I I'll leave it to you guys. Just raise your hand if you feel comfortable. <laughs> Let me see. Go ahead, Mo. So I would say there are two usages of Docker in CI/CD pipelines. One is that when you are running your checks in your CI/CD pipelines, there is a runner somewhere in, in, in some computer that runs this stuff that you put in your CI/CD pipeline. So to, for example, you want to run a bash script that, I don't know, checks your, links your files or, or things like that. It checks if the, your files are dinted. And you can use Docker there so that all these things that are running are running in Docker containers so that it, they don't harm your computer that runs this stuff for, for, for one, of it, one is security, one of the reasons you do that. And the other usage of Docker in CI/CD pipelines is that you can also run Docker in your CI/CD pipelines to make sure the thing that you're running there is exactly the same as the thing that you're running on your local machine. For example, I have my tests running on my local machine. I use Docker Compose to have to spin up the database there, spin up different services so that I can use them to run my tests and I can do exactly the same on a CI/CD pipeline. I can spin up the database there also using Docker Compose and run the test against these stuff that are running in CI/CD pipeline. So you have exactly the same setup in your local machine and in, in your CI/CD pipeline so that usually there is no difference. And if something fails on your local machine, it also fails on CI/CD pipeline. That's a great explanation. Pradumna, over to you. I think Mohammed already covered each and every point which I want to cover, but that's okay. I will talk another aspect of like CI CD thing. Like sometimes like you run your application on Kubernetes, like more on the orchestration side. So it's really challenging that uh, that you build your image locally and then push to your like hosting platform. It can be GCP, Azure or anything or a managed cloud service. So this is like where like CI CD pipeline come into play. You can like you can use like GitHub or like GitLab CI CD. So what happened is that like you automate your image building and pushing the image to Docker Hub. So like you first set up the test or like over your uh, testing the code and then you like uh, using the commands that we use locally to build the image you set up those commands in like a step in the pipeline which builds image according to your number of versioning because we generally version every image so that we can differentiate like we differentiate the image bit from the previous version like for example it can be mongo 6.0 0.06 or it can be like after than 7, 8, 9, 10, something like that. So uh, we version the different image and there is something set up in the Kubernetes cluster which pulls the latest changes from the Docker Hub or it might be a GitHub container registry or your private registry it depends on your like deployment system. So this is how you, it works. Like you push your changes to the GitHub the GitHub CI CD will build an image and the, there is a Git controller or no, sorry, the Git controller is not used here. Sorry for that. So there's an image pooler, which is used in the Kubernetes cluster. It pulls the latest image inside the Kubernetes cluster. It destroys the previous deployment and recreates a new deployment with the fresh image. This is where also like CI CD come into play. Yeah. Well, I love it. And I do have one specific thing I'd like to take out from you guys is basically for 
someone in the audience who maybe never worked with Docker before, maybe built just a, a small project with it or a college project with it, want to try it again after this space, I highly, highly recommend for you to do so. Just get your hands dirty, just go out there and see what it looks like. What this process would look like end to end, hey, I want to build this project, I want to use Docker, what are all the steps that I need to take? Go ahead, Francesco. Yes, absolutely. So I think this is a very, very important, a very important part because the, the great thing of Docker is that you don't have to use it, which is amazing. So you can have your own, I keep doing examples with Node applications because this is what I like the most, but you can take any other application that you made. So you can start from that. So the very first step is to create the Docker file. So what I will do is that I will search for how to dockerize X application. I made also articles and videos, but like you, you, I would start from there. I think there are two approaches. Like if you have a lot of time or if you want to really become a DevOps engineer, then probably you will want to learn how Docker works. You can go into details. But if you want to just to dockerize your, your own application, you want to have a more, let's say, practical approach. Because I don't know, let's say that you are just, you are just, you are a backend developer and you don't want to just dockerize your application, but you want to keep doing your own backend stuff. You can do it. So you can just start from the Docker file. So don't overcomplicate because the magic is that once you have a container, you can do many things with them. Then you can have orchestration, you can have different services, we can have replicas, you can make them to restart automatically. But the most important part is to create the image. So the image is the replacement of, of sending a command, a, a list of commands to someone else. So that's the, the replacement. So I will start from there. So create an image only of your application. This is to dockerize your own application. But if you have, let's say one more day, I will start by using an existing image. So I will start with that. But that's, it really depends on what you want to do. But you can have your own application. But also, I want to say this, this is very important. Having Docker in your application doesn't mean that you have to, 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 uh, to use Docker. You can keep doing your node start, and then your application will start without Docker. So it's, I think the experience of dockerizing an application is good because even if you fail, let's say, you still have your own application that still works. So Docker is not changing your own files. It's something on top of that, that you can use it or not. So I, I, let's say in the worst case, you can just remove the Docker file or you can just ask for help. And this is a great, let's say, it's a great developer experience that it's not like, an intrusive technology that makes you know, change the structure and then you have nothing that works anymore. One of the things that really made me feel in love with Docker because you can just use it, but you can also don't use it. I love it. You're absolutely right. And this is a great starting point. Just start from a Docker file. Just try to run an existing Docker image. You can already fill it. And, and that's not the, the biggest part, right? The biggest part is your application, the application you're building. Just like Francesco said, hey, you can use Docker, you cannot use Docker. But you're going to find that in certain moments, Docker is going to be the best option for you to go. And just, we have like five more minutes here. Are there any final thoughts 
from any of you guys on what those people in the audience should take learning at Docker, starting learning Docker today or picking it back after a few years maybe. What are the, the main advice for these people? What what should they, maybe best practices or something. Go ahead, Mo. So I I wanted to share a, a blog post that I wrote on, on Docker's blog. I posted the link to the thread under here under comments. And yeah, so that's basically, as Francesco also mentioned, this is basically an application written in Node.js. And at the very end, there is where Docker comes in to play. This is, it, this kind of shows how Docker plays a role in having a developing environment and, and how does it help you basically have a local setup and basically create images and run your application using Docker Compose and, and writing Docker files. I think that's maybe a good place to start. Well, thank you so much for sharing that. I just pinned the tweet Mo is talking about here on the spaces. You can just go check it out. Anything else from the other speakers, any projects that you're working on? Maybe Shelly, is anything that you'd like to share? Any final thoughts and advice? Yeah, sure. For anyone who is learning, my number one advice for everybody is join the community. Talk to people, interact with people. We have projects to learn and it it just will really, really help you to have people to talk to, you know, learning alone, that's no fun. Who wants to do that? Right. So, yeah. Absolutely, Shelley. And I have to say there are a few communities out there that can be so, I think, active and, and inclusive as the Docker community. And that's something Docker invests a lot into, right? Just creating their community. So just starting by by people, the speakers here on the panel, just they are very receptive and just go and check their stuff and start being part of the community from here. If you're not yet, I think it's, it's a very good thing to, to do. But do not want to say something. Any final thoughts? Yeah, like like about the learning process, like I will like share one thing, like yeah, start with your started containerization your own application. Like if you have a simple like a to do app, just do that. But like how I improve my Docker skills, like the best thing I did, like I started taking challenge, how take, I started taking challenge, like I started raising issues on the repository, which is not still containerized. And I started raising issue, like, can I Dockerize this app? And this is how I really implemented and improved my Docker Compose skill. If you like go on my GitHub, like six or seven months back, you will see tons and tons of PR just raising and Dockerizing different repositories on GitHub. This is how I improve my Docker skill and Docker Compose skill. The reason, because people, good people are sitting over there and they will give you very valuable feedback. Oh, this is a good practice. This is a bad practice. So this is this is how I improve my Docker and Docker Compose skill. If you like started getting familiar with your containerization your own application, start like containerizing other repositories on GitHub. There are lots of repositories in need of those. Yeah. Well, open source is so valuable really when you're learning new stuff and, and just check what Padum is doing. Honestly, I always do. And he also has a, a very nice way to learning new stuff, which is hands-on and that, that actually helps a lot. So yeah, thank you. Francesco, any final thoughts 
Thank you for being here, everyone. Any projects that you're working on that you'd like to share? Yes, so I I like to use Docker in with many different languages. I have a series. Finally, I I decided to start this series. So basically, I Dockerized ten applications in ten different languages. It's not really ten different languages, but let's say that for example, for Python, I have Flask. Let's say one for each technology. And this is something that I really wanted to do for a while. I also made it with Rust, with JavaScript, and so. If you want to dockerize an application, probably did that's those are good good ones. They are kind of curated. And yes, this is the also create articles on this. I'm really focused on the on on the beginners. So it, uh, I think that this is something that you can you can take a look. I I never I never created a Docker course because if I create one, I want to stop everything I'm doing and this has to be really, really good. So for now I'm just sharing free content, you can just, yeah, if you are interested into learning Docker, probably you can check some of my content, especially on YouTube, but also, yeah, on Twitter also. Sometimes I post, I couldn't find the explaining Docker with memes, which probably, Sabrina, you you liked, and that's it. So probably at some point I'll reshare it. Of course, every time I reshare that, I make an, impro- an improvement, so I improve the memes of the thread. So it's still worth even if you understood everything about Docker because you can get the new memes from time to time. Well, you, yeah, you absolutely nailed it. <laughs> For them, anything you'd like to say? Yeah, I was just saying petition for the Francesco's Docker, like Docker course, yeah. Well, I mean, you guys are amazing and you're all, I mean, creating amazing stuff for the community, so... I'm totally biased because I, I love these guys, but go check them out. And thank you so much, all speakers, but especially everyone in the audience for being here today with us. And I see you guys maybe in another, the least you must know about Docker too, because I know there is a lot more we can say. Maybe it's the least you should know about Docker after. <laughs> okay, see you guys in the next one. Bye-bye.